Colossians. And Colossians is amazing. Because I feel like the people of Colossians and the people Blanter are in the same hood. Like they're facing almost the same things. Just that we polished up the things they were facing. You know, back in the day, there were people that were telling them to add stuff to what Jesus had done. Which is exactly what a lot of you are facing back at home, or even right now as you're sitting down and just thinking, there are things in this country that are inviting you to add extra to what Jesus has done. And, and I want us to, to be real. Um, uh, because this book was written by Paul, and, and Paul had not really visited this city that he was writing this letter to. Good to see you, Vidu, man. Yeah, Vidu used to run most of our college outreach, right? Uh, for a long time, and then the Lord moved him to Zomba. So it's good to, to have you, Blanta. Uh, good to have you back. Um, and Sonia as well. She visited last year, she, she stays in the States. And now she's back in the country for a few weeks and she's, she's in church again. So appreciate you, you being here. Uh, but my point is, these guys were in a city that Paul wrote a letter to. They were in a time where people came to them and they were saying, you know what? Jesus is, yeah, he's good, but he's not really enough. And how they say that was not straight like that. You know what I mean? They were basically like, yeah, 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 you, you Christian, but you need to be circumcised also. So they would not clearly just go like, yeah, Jesus is not enough. No, 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 no. It was subtle. Like, yeah, Jesus, great. But you also need to be circumcised. This guy's like, what do you mean? We still do that? Like, yeah, if you need to be part of this kingdom, there are all these Jewish laws that you need to get, that you need to obey, that you need to be under. And there was also something else going on that now we have called Gnosticism. Uh, basically knowledge, like a love for knowledge, like deep truth, just meditating on stuff and just grounded and, and being like thinkers and people that were like, you need a special knowledge. And it was subtle as you need special revelation for you to know God a little bit more. Like Jesus is not enough. You need something extra. And for a lot of you, you're still in that place. Honestly. Amen? Where, where someone shows up like, yeah, yeah, but Jesus is good, but do you speak in tongues? Hallelujah. Now, let me throw it out to you. Speaking in tongues is great. I've been speaking in tongues since 2004. But a lot of you, this is your first time hearing me say that. Why am I saying that? We've made it a requirement. And actually, I love you. So this is coming from a place of love. Amen? We, there are a lot of things God invites us to that are beautiful, that are life-changing, that will completely change how you do life, what you think, how you move from one place to another. But we've made them requirements that God looks at them and goes like, who made that a requirement? 
That God looks at all these good things. They are good things. The great things. But God looks at them and goes like, what do you mean everyone has to speak in tongues? What do you mean everyone has to get circumcised? What do you mean you have to tithe? Hello? Because God is not even, let's even push the tithing conversation. And we've done it before. I want you guys to tithe. Amen? I want you guys to give your 10% to God. So that you grow the muscles of giving. Because what God requires of you is to generously give. And generosity gives more than 10%. Hello? <laughs> so the, the 10% that we, we're like fighting as a requirement, God is like, yeah, I want you to learn how to give, so I want you to start giving 10%. Because what I really want you to do is to see the needs in your church and some of you to go home and sell your stuff. Like, what do you mean sell my stuff? Like, yeah, I want you to go home and sell your stuff and bring those resources and share in the church. You're like, no, I'll stick to 10%. What I'm saying, like, we've come up with all these amazing, great things. They're good things, man. They're great things. But they don't add to your salvation. They don't add to you being saved. Jesus completely did that work for you to get saved. Every time you add to that, you are offending him. You are basically saying, Jesus, what you did is not enough to save me. I think I need to give so that I can feel like I have been saved. Are you following my point? So Paul even speaking in tongues, he brought that conversation. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so if I speak even in the tongues of angels, but I don't like people, what's the use of it? If I use that to bully you guys to say you don't have the Holy Spirit, that's why you don't speak in tongues. What's the use of that? Because the actual conversation is simple. You gave your life to Christ because the Holy Spirit convinced you. To give your life to Christ. Let me say that one more time. And the, this is a plan. I've been repeating these things. Because we have to hammer them in our heads as much as we can. Yeah? You cannot come to God unless God calls you to himself. In other words, you came to God because you heard the word of God. You heard about Jesus. You heard about Jesus and about God because God in his word back in the day said, therefore all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and do all the world and preach the gospel. Baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? God gave a command. A bunch of people obeyed and not allowed you to be at a place where you heard the word. Are you following to the point that when you go to Ephesians, then the Ephesians is explaining that, dude, you got saved by grace. You were saved by grace. It continues. It says, not, not of your own works, but by the works of Jesus. Everything about your salvation is by Jesus. You heard the word, and that word came from God, came from Jesus himself. 
It's the word of God. It's the word of Jesus. It had nothing with you coming up with a clever plan to get to God. Everything was God gave his word. Then you heard it. And some of you, you heard it in a song. Some of you, you remembered when you were kids, God used your parents, used your uncle, used your Sunday school teacher to plant seeds of his word in your life. So even now, when you think like, yeah, it was, it was my decision. Yes, it was your decision. You said yes. But you said yes to what you heard God through his power and his Holy Spirit convict you too. Now, to be real, the Holy Spirit convicted you. And when the Holy Spirit convicted you, you did not leave. <laughs> he stayed as a stamp that you belong to God. Now, that spirit in some of your lives can manifest in different ways. Amen? And one of the ways other people get to speak in tongues. Now, I don't want to get into that conversation because it's distracting. My point is you got saved because the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin. Now, if you're, you've never been to church, you don't care about church, you're not even a Christian, you're just like, hey, a friend brought me here. This is what I'm saying. If you're in here, you're like, dude, I don't know what to do about this church stuff. You're in the right place. Because this is what we're saying. We're saying that God, in his love and kindness, amen, God, in his love and kindness, sent forth his word, sent forth his son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. And God shows us that he loves us by showing that his son is the one that laid down for every bit of our sin. Future, present, and even past. So Jesus coming to die on the cross, he fully died so that he could pay for every sin. So you're like, okay, what is sin? Sin is disobedience to God. Sin is what is in our heart. That doesn't want anything to do with God. And you're like, okay, who is God? God created the world. God created everything you see. God is in charge of all things. Actually, if you had time, we record these sermons. If you get time, we can give you materials to understand that conversation. But in Colossians chapter 1, the Bible talks about how everything was made by God and for God. So the point is, in the midst of that, this is what we looked at last week. In the midst of that, we humans, that wants to add to our salvation, but we add it in different ways. And one of the ways that we do that is we create rituals. We become, we become mystic. And we actually get to be legalist. And what we looked at last week, we were like, hey, what Jesus did on the cross... It makes you to no longer be a slave to rituals. That you got to do things a certain way for God to be pleased in a certain way. Uh, so stay with me because I'm going to step on some things. You got to pray certain numbers of times in a day for God to be convinced or for God to accept or for God to see you and for God to hear you. 
What kind of God is that? Let me stop there. You're no longer slave to legalism. Legalism is basically, I want to do stuff for God to see me, for God to accept me, for God to know I belong to him. No. None of that. Because in Christ, and, and if you get a chance with Galatians, it says for, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. Christ delivered you so that you could breathe free. You could live a life of freedom. So in Christ says freedom from bondage and condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation, Romans 8, for those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul explains all those things that hey, you don't have to do all these things. But then he now re-invites us to doing things but in view of who Jesus is. Not to do things based on I want to contribute to my salvation. I want to feel like I'm doing work for God. I want to create certain things. No, no, no. Paul says you're no longer a slave to any bondage. You are free. You're no longer a slave to a bunch of rules. You're no longer a slave to don't eat pork. I love pork. Amen. You're no longer a slave to all these things you have created. You're no longer a slave to that. You're no longer a slave to certain rituals. You're no longer a slave to you have to get up. It's time to pray. When I got saved, because I was in that fire, oh, hallelujah, I was in that fire, 2004, five. there was this movement that there were conversations about Satanism being this big in this country. So there was a, like, almost like almost an, a cult of people that we were just praying, fire, and all these other things to come from heaven and just being certain. You know what I mean? Like, You'd send them to, we'd say, we're praying against all these things and we're sending Satan under the sea. So you pray that in the morning and I don't know who lets him out after you go back home. And you pray that in the afternoon and then you pray that in the evening and all these other things. My point is, we believed. We believed so much. In the good things God wanted us to do than in God. I'll say that again. We believed with everything that we were in the good things God wanted us to do. And we believed less in who God was. That it had to be our efforts to pray and to non-stop just don't eat up until you're about to die for God to do stuff. That we believed in those things and we believed less in the God who was able to do and to put Saturn under his feet and under our feet. So I'm saying, I want you to understand me. These are great things, great things. Hey, you've got to pray, you've got to fast, you've got to do all these other things. To the point that the Bible says, some demons won't get out until you fast. You know what I mean? Those kind of conversations, you find that in scripture. But these are good things that we have made to be the main things. And we've kicked out God and said, God, we can handle this. What did you say we should do? Okay, we should pray. Okay, what else? We should tithe. Okay, we should what? We should come to church. Okay, what else? What else? We should attend the Bible study. Okay, what else? We should not sleep around. Okay, what else? What else? Okay, that's a great list. We need to do that? Great. Okay, we don't want anything to do with you. 
We're just going to focus on that here. And just make sure we're pushing through it. And for a lot of us, if we can truly examine, that's where we are at. We're like, all we come to do is like, okay, tell me today, pastor, what else I need to stop? What else I need to add to my list? What else I need to do so that I can go back and show God, God, look at what I'm able to do. Because every time you fail, every time you feel like you messed up, what happens? You don't run to God. You actually run away from God. Every time you mess up, what do you do? You add a bunch of things that you need to be doing for you to feel like you are closer to who? To God. So, so Paul is, is getting to this chapter and saying, okay, I taught you some doctrine stuff in chapter 1 and chapter 2. I told you that Jesus is God. Uh-huh. I told you that he's fully human. Uh-huh. I told you that he created everything. Uh-huh. I told you that he's a creator. I told you he's sovereign. I told you he holds all things together. Now in chapter 3 he's coming to this conversation. So we're going to read chapter 3, just a couple of verses. I'm excited next week we're going to have Brother William take us from verse 6. But this, this week we're just getting to verse, uh, verse 4. Actually, I'll get to verse 5, but I'll just read the entire chapter for the sake of the context. Amen? So if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have what? Died. And your life is hidden with Christ. Oh, I love that. It's hidden with Christ. We're going to talk about that. In God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So in, in, on verse 5, I would even just say, Therefore, put to death what is earthly in you. And this is where we love it. Because this is what we want. Yeah? We want, tell me what not to do. You know what I mean? Just like, God, give me the list. Where is the list? So it says, here's the list. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Because there's the stuff that's earthly in you. Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covertness, which is idolatry. On account of this, the wrath of God is coming. Oh, my God. In this, you too once walked. You used to be this when you were living in them. But now, you must put them all away. Not some away. You must put them all away. It's like anger. Come on. Right. Really? Malice. Slander. Like then why am I even on Twitter? Obscene talk from your mouth. Like you're just taking out all the fun of life. Do not lie to one another. Like jokes are lies. Come on, dude. Have some fun. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Uh-huh. Because your old self had its practices. And I've put on the new self. And and that's our brother's gonna hammer on that uh, next week. And I put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge. After the image of his creator, Romans 12. Romans 12, uh, get, get to read that. Uh, here there is no Greek, Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, city, and slave, free, but Christ is what? All 
and the norm. Now, why is this passage important? Why, why, why this invitation is important? Because we become what we set our minds on. You are the sum of the things that are following your mind, that, that you've set your mind on. Some of us, even if we can check what we have struggled with, it's not just that we inherited that from someone else. Because as we are growing up, we set our minds so much on that 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 became a giant in our lives that we are trying to fight. We become what we are mothered at. What fascinates you is that what, that's what captures your heart. And that's what your heart makes treasures. You marvel at it, it fascinates you, then your heart what? Treasures that. And when your heart treasures something, where's your mind going to be? Where's your life going to be? Where's your money going to be? Where's your time going to be? Because some of the things we have gotten addicted to, hello, are things that they were fascinating at some point. I'll get to that. We become what convinces our hearts we are enough. So if you look at money and money says do, when you get more of me, you're going to be enough. What are you going to chase here your entire life? Money. If career is what says, dude, once you get this, your life will be enough. What are you going to do? Chase your career. If a relationship, like dating someone, getting married, is what makes you feel enough, what are you going to do with your life? You're going to get in relationships. Get out, get in, get out, get in, get out, get in. Up until, up until a relationship consumes you. Up until you make a night of your partner. Up until you replace him or her with who God is supposed to be in your life. We become what convinces our hearts we are enough. But the reality of life is Christ is enough. Christ is sufficient. In all of your life, money, relationships, your passions, your connections, your family will be screaming for what Christ is. Your family is going to be telling you, we are enough, we are all you need in this life. Come on. Some of you are in that place right now. Where your family is like, come on, we are all you got in this life. We are, no, 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 Christ is all. <laughs> and in all. Can't wait to hear that next, next Sunday. No pressure. <laughs> Christ is sufficient. But is he really in your life right now? Or Christ is a great addition that makes your life exception. <laughs> like you, you, you are an exception human being because you have added Christ. Not Christ is everything and Christ is sufficient and Christ is enough in everything. Because as we have said, man, it's cool to be religious or spiritual. 
as we're calling it nowadays. Now with the meditation movement, good, beautiful yoga, and all these other things, we, we've met uh, being spiritual and understanding spiritual conversations. A cool thing. But yeah, that's, that's a cool thing to do. That's a cool thing to have. That's a cool place to be. Amazing things. Amazing conversations. Amazing thoughts. Great things. But, but Christ is all. Christ is enough. Christ is sufficient. So seek that truth or lies or inadequacies will fill your heart. And when they fill your heart, how are you going to feel? How are you going to do life? How are you going to drive your ambition? How are you going to drive what you need in relationships? How are you going to push for everything your life is about? You're going to push everything in your life with the desire to fill your heart with something that's not going to be satisfying. And your life and your heart will never stop until you find your sufficiency and until you say Christ is truly enough. Up until then, you demand things from your partner that they can give you. Hello? Because only Christ was supposed to give you those things. So what are you going to do? You're going to push for a relationship and look at a relationship and be frustrated by the relationship and just want to quit and move on. Why? Because you want to get stuff that only Christ can give you from a human being. Christ is the one that is enough. Not your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Not your husband or your wife. Christ is the one who is sufficient. Your partner needs the sufficiency of Christ to be who God has called them to be. They don't need you to be sufficient. Hello. Now from there we can now talk about okay, how do we love each other as people that are seeking Christ in a dating marriage relationship. And that's our conversation for another series. Hello. I love you guys. So stick to church. Now this is what Paul says. He's like, Christ is enough. Christ is sufficient. Build your life on that. That's a solid ground. That's a rock. All other ground is sinking sand. Build your life in that. And, and, and he says it this way. This is how I want to tell you you have to build your life on that. It's because you have been raised with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. And I love scripture. This one. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, he's saying, you have union with Christ. You are in union with Christ. That's how you grow spiritually. Understanding what your union with Christ looks like. What are the implications of that union? You, you just don't grow spiritually by just Bible studies. Hello? What, what do I mean? You can do Bible studies that are not teaching you how to grow in your union with Christ. And a lot of you have done them. A lot of you are doing them right now. 
you, you are united with Christ. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? You, you are united with Christ. You, you are in union with Christ. You are in Christ. God's desire and design for you is to learn that word means for the rest of your life. Because that influences every area of your life. Like how do I dare? Based on your union with Christ. How do I spend my money? Based on your union with Christ. How do I pray? Because I have unity. I'm in union with Christ. I pray. Are you following that? Because normally all these other cool things we're talking about, all these meditations, all these cool things, they're like to get your oneness with, <laughs> with the earth. Hallelujah. Get your oneness with your mind, with your soul, with all these other things. And the Bible is like, dude, <laughs> you have union with Christ. What do you mean? You mean that Christ, that created all things? Like, yeah. You have union with him. You mean that Christ, that hold all things together? Yeah. You have union with him. If you have union with Christ, then shouldn't your prayers be of confidence, zeal, energy, and encouragement? Because you are knowing in the cause of your humanity that you are praying in Christ, not apart from him. Not that you are just praying to Christ, but you are in Christ. Therefore, when you are praying, you are praying in Christ. Therefore, how you pray, and this is disorienting for a lot of us right now. Like, okay, what do you mean then? Because it's going to get to how you do your life, how you even live. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, snap. If I'm really in union with Christ, this is what I do with my body? No. <laughs> That's not what you should do with your body. You are in union with Christ. If you're in union with Christ, then your dreaming should reflect that. Hello? Let me say this. Who said go into all the world? Who did that? Christ, right? Christ, who has union with you, who you are in, has a mission to the rest of the world with you in mind. So this is not for everyone, hello? But for some of us, we've known it in our hearts for a long time. That God has sent us to the rest of the world. But we are afraid of that. But I want to encourage you. You're in union with Christ. Who gave the actual command. So if you. Dreaming is simply. Set. By your fears. And your limitations. And what you're saying. Maybe you need to go back home. And ask God. Show me what it means to dream in view of your union with me. Show me how I need to dream for the city of Atlanta in union with you. Because if it's just about what you can do and how you can do it, then dude, you are limited. Or oh, you only excel where you feel like you have connections and you can do stuff. 
But if you're in union with Christ, dude, come on. If we're a church that fully understands that we've been called in this city, just like a bunch of us, we can even count while we have closed our eyes and get the numbers right. Like that small number that is in union with Christ and understands that we have union with Christ is unstoppable. You know the guys that turned the world upside down? We're less than 5,000 people. All these church things we have now was a bunch of people that were taught to go up a room. And half of the time when they were going there, they had no idea what was going to even happen. Like Jesus said, we should wait here. Like Jesus, so, so what are you guys doing upstairs with the kids? Oh, Jesus said we should be here. And for some of you, that's where you are. Jesus has told you to be in certain places. Because he's about to do something crazy. It's because when we understand our union with Christ, the limit is no longer us. The limit is how far God wants to go. Because when we're in union with Christ, our prayer is, Here I am, Lord. Send me. And a lot of us will there and saying, here we are, Lord, send our pastor. Oh God, if you can just bless flood to do blah, 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 blah. And God is like, that's an amazing prayer that you can actually pray that I use you to do that. Like, no, let's pray for the leadership. And some of us, the reason why this conversation is painful a little bit, it's because we just want we just want Christ. And not the union with Christ. We're like, we just wanna be the Christians, but then are not really understanding what it means to follow God and to be deeply rooted in God. Because when we're deeply rooted in God, God sends us to do stuff. <laughs> but when we just men church people we can just show up on Sunday. Hello. We, can, we just have to show up, do some songs for two hours and we're out. That's all. But when we understand our union with Christ, dude, Christ is going to send you to Mozambique and plant a church there. Like how in the world did I get here? And some of us, we, we would rather just... So Jesus... I've done all the commandments. What else should I do? So I can get saved. And Jesus is looking at you and going like, what about selling all your stuff? No, man, I'm not about that stuff. (laughs) I'm not about selling my things. What what do you mean? What do you mean? How are you going to sponsor the church? I'm not the guy that's giving 10%. When I'm happy, 35 and I even give the bonus at the end of the year. Come on. You are surviving on my salary. <laughs> Hello, that just got real. Hallelujah. My point is, a lot of us, including me a lot of times, I would rather just do the other regulations and rules stuff. Apart from the union with Christ. Because union with Christ demands me to continuously give up myself. And lay down my life for other people. 
Well, if I just show up at church, I'm good. Because I what? Showed up in church. And this is my point. I don't want you to be a bunch of Christians that just show up and consume stuff and go back home. I don't want that. And actually, this is not your kind of church. Hallelujah. I love that you are here. But if you're just coming here to just sit on the, on the chairs, we don't have pews. Let's get pews, people. Let's make this feel like church. Maybe those pews at the back, man. You know what I mean? Let's call those pews, man. You know what I mean? Yeah? My point is, you're missing so much. Because the danger is this. When we miss a union of Christ, our union with Christ, and simply wants to serve Christ, what are we doing? We're being like the Pharisees. Who will just quote a bunch of verses and even <laughs> say they pray longer prayers. They give more than everyone, but there's no love, there's no kindness, and there's no transformation in there. They do their activities, and they actually keep doing them because they're activities that they enjoy, or the activities that actually challenge them enough to feel like they're doing something with their lives. But there's no actual love for God and, and obedience to God. There is obedience to a bunch of rules, but there's no responding to the invitations of God as they arise every day. And for a lot of us, we're at a place where we're like, I'm cool with the rules, I'm not cool with God inviting me to something today. So like today, we're not going to do giving in this church. I want you to give that money to someone and text me. Actually, don't text me. I want you to give the money that you are going to give in this church today to someone and don't tell anyone. The resources that you are going to give in this church today? No. God needs that money. In this church, but also not in this church. Because your union allows you to see the needs God is seeing around you. And there are more needs God is seeing around you than we are even having in this church. Do we have needs? Yeah, man. We got to pay rent. We got to sort all these other things. But these are building things. They're amazing things. They allow us to do work. allow us to serve. But I tell you guys, if from 12 o'clock, a bunch of you just walk in this street to care for you and just give whatever amount you have to people. It's going to change other people's lives completely. So at the end, that's my challenge to you. We don't want your money today. We need it next week. <laughs> <laughs> and month end, because it's month end. You know the drill. You know the drill. The point is, I, I want some of you guys to go this way. I want some of you guys to go that way. I want you guys to go in the market. Buy someone lunch. Go into a restaurant and tell the couple and their kid that, hey, we're going to buy you lunch today. Do something that other people here and feel like it's crazy, but to you, it's not. that's the money you're going to give in church. Come on. You're already going to give if you had something. But also then look around the church and see someone who doesn't have money. Take someone to lunch today. Do the relationship today. And the relationship based on you are now united with Christ. It's no longer about you, it's about what Christ is inviting you to. 
So I want you guys to just go with your resources and whatever you have, do it. Whether it's a 200, it's a 500, it's a 10,000 that you are going to give today, bless someone today. Get in a minibus, pay for someone. Do something that sounds insane. Because when you give your money in church, it feels safe, right? We have a system, you can check what we're doing with the money and all these other things. They will, they, when you go out there, they, there's no that. You only have to give because the Lord is letting you give. So that's my challenge to you. That you have union with Christ. How you give should look different. And there's so many needs outside this church. There's so many needs even in this church. The other people when they leave here, they won't have a meal. They don't have even transport. The other people that walk long distances to come to this church, I cannot stop telling you how many people do that. I want you to understand those needs in here. And I want you to understand those needs out there. And I want you to understand that giving is not 50,000. Giving is everything the Lord has allowed you to say, give. As the Lord is inviting you to. So if the Lord is inviting you to give a 50, what do you do? If the Lord is allowing you to give a 100 grand, what do you do? You give. Not because when you give, you feel good, and God will look and be happy. You're already accepted in Christ. You're already in union. Come on. If you're in union, it means you're already, <laughs> you're already known by God. You're already accepted by God. You're already cherished by God. You're already valued by God. The activities you're going to do are not going to make God go like, Dude, you're my man now. No. You are already in union with Christ, my friend. You're already in that union. The thing you want to do those stuff for, you, you already got that. You already got that. You don't need to do those things so that you get the union. You already have the union, so let that union with Christ cause you to do those things. Are you following? And, and that's what sets apart our faith. That we have assurance in Christ. We are sure that if we've been saved, we'll see Jesus Christ. We are sure. So, so if you've been doubting that, hey, can I lose this? Can I? Well, no, 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 no. You, this is my, if you've given your heart to Jesus, you belong to Christ. You're in union with Christ. <laughs> You're in so much union with Christ that you gotta, you got to do some really, really good work to think that you can destroy that union with your efforts. Because what would really destroy our union of Christ is sin, right? Now, who paid for each and every sin that you have committed? So when you feel like you've messed up the union, who do you go to? Do you go to a bunch of activities? No. You go back to the cross. You go back to Jesus. And you repent. And repent it's just not saying the stuff that God, that was bad, sorry. Repentance is completely making a turn. You were going to Lunzu to completely turn and go to Chihuahua. That's repentance. You look completely changed. You just don't basically like sit around the seat and just wait for another temptation and pray, God, take me out, take me out, take me out. Like, ah, okay. No. 
You have union with Christ. You have new life. You have purpose and mission. Because the one you are united to, the one you are united with, is on mission to change the world. And in that mission, he's got you as part of the main plan. You have significance and there is authority. For all authority has been given to Christ on heaven and on earth. Go with that Christ. Because every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Because at the name of Jesus, even demons tremble. They flee. So you have authority because you are praying and fasting. Because you are in union with Christ, my friend. I follow So when you are praying, your prayer is different. When you are fasting, your confidence in that fasting is different. Are you following that? That those are good things I want us to be doing. I want us to be praying. I want us to be praying in the spirit. I want us to enjoy that. Because it's a beautiful result of our union with Christ. It's a beautiful result of our union with Christ. And I, and I love how it says, you have been hidden in Christ. You are hidden in Christ. You are secure, my friend. Hidden. For you to find something that's been hidden in your house by someone, even when it's your house, it can be a mission sometimes. And especially when it's not your house to find something that's hidden, it can be a mission. Then especially if you are in Christ and you are hidden in Christ, then the Bible says, who can pluck us out of the hand? Of Jesus. Who can, who can take us out? Basically, that's what the Bible is saying. Asking that question, hey, who can take you out? No one. What do you mean, no one? Because your life is not just hidden. And Christ is in another room, or Christ is away, and he's taking the keys. No, no, your life is hidden with Christ. Christ is present. Christ is with you. Therefore, I will be with you to the very end of the age. That's what the Bible says. That you are hidden with Christ. So when you're, you're messing around, when you're doing a bunch of other things, remember that. Be aware of that. Because we, when we fail to marvel our hiddenness in Christ, we fail to see how Christ affects our purity. In how Christ motivates how holy we should be. Like if you're in a relationship and the easiest temptation is to sleep together, no, nah, no. Nah. And do it. You're both hidden in Christ. Hello? Come on. Like, oh, he started the don't do this thing. Just enjoy who Christ is making you become. As you are walking towards committing to each other for the rest of your life. Because you are now hidden in Christ. Right now you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Come on. Like it's no longer how cool you are and what you have done. When God looks at you, he sees what Christ did on the cross. And that is beautiful, my friend. And that is beautiful. So you want to stand? Yeah? So because you've been raised with Christ, come alongside what God is doing. Participate where you see his kingdom coming. Initiate and start where you see God needs to change lives. 
we're not just raised up so that we have resurrection life, but we have Christ. I want to say that again. You were not just raised by Christ so that we say, I have resurrection life. No, no, no. You have Christ in you, the hope of all glory. Are you, are you feeling that? Are you understanding that? Are you, are you seeing that, that you, God did not just say, okay, I'll give you some life and Christ is going to do other things. No, 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 no. Christ is like, I am with you, dude. I'm here. I am in you. I am with you. You have eternal life. You have the resurrection power. You have my spirit. I'm there too. I'm with you. Then, then how you look at sin, dude, that should be different. That should be different. So in view of that union with Christ, in view of that, or in other words, therefore, be what God wants you to be based on what Christ has made you become. You are in Christ, therefore become what Christ is making you. Let me say that again. But in view of your union with Christ, be what God wants you to be based on what Christ has made you to become. You are in Christ, therefore become what Christ is making you. So don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. And Paul lists a bunch of things. He says, can we go to the next slide? Don't be distracted by worldly things, by worldly ambitions, by worldly passions. But think and live in the spirit, not in the flesh. Set your lifestyle priorities informed by your union with Christ. Are you following that? Like your life priorities should be set based on your union with Christ. Should be based on who you're becoming. You're becoming a person that looks like Christ. You're becoming a kind, loving, humble human being. So your priorities should reflect that. Your lifestyle should reflect that. Your, your spending should reflect that. Your work conversations should reflect that. I would even say this. When you go back to school and you sit on that desk, it should reflect <laughs> your union with Christ. How Jesus is changing you. How you respond to your friends. How you concentrate in Christ. Because we do everything as if we are doing it for who? For Jesus Christ. Not as if we are doing it for ourselves. We pursue life based on that. So set your lifestyle priorities informed by your union with Christ. Because your life in Christ is an extension of God's love and kindness in the world. So tomorrow, how will your teacher experience kindness how your business partner experience the love of God? How you, your client or your vendors or the people you are casting vision to know that God is kind, God is good, and God is real? Not because the sun has moved and dropped. Not because tomorrow the quadra will be one dollar five hundred. That would be amazing, you know, like amazing. Come on, Jesus, get it to even two hundred. You know, that would be one to one. Life would be so much fun. No, not one to one like Zane. You know what I mean? But, but more like one to one, like come on, this time. Life would just be 
Amazing. So your friend, your business partner, your buddies, yeah, your homies, your your gang, your fam, your crew, your workers at home. We know God is loving because they've met you. Because who does Christ have union with? You. And how is Christ changing the world? Through you. 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 Who has union with Christ? You. Who's an extension of God's love? You. Now, this is going to sound like I'm going on a rabbit trail, but stay with me. I've heard it before. The church. I don't like the church. I just want to be on my own and do my own stuff. <sighs> so, if Yaku is in union with Christ, and that Christ is in union with Andrew, don't you think that Christ would want to love Yaku and love Andrew? If the Holy Spirit is in Frida, and the Holy Spirit is in Dili, don't you think the Holy Spirit will make Dili love Frida and Frida love Dili? If the Holy Spirit is in Queen, and the Holy Spirit is in Collins, won't that Holy Spirit invite conversations because the Holy Spirit is in both? If Christ is in Chico and Yango, won't Christ in Yango do whatever it takes to love the Christ in Chico? So this conversation of hating the church, where do we get it from? My point is, if we have been truly changed by our union with Christ, then God's Spirit in Prince will love and do everything to love God's Spirit in Pastor Chico, Pastor Gibson. My point is, if, if we're in here, the levels of love should be crazy. Are you getting the point? Because we're all now in union with who? Christ. And now Christ is changing this guy, that girl, that dude. Da, 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 and God is changing everyone. And what happens? Boom! Amazing, kind, loving people doing life together and loving the world, loving their hoods, loving each other, sending each other transport, checking on each other, praying for each other, and doing all these other things. Not because it's a bunch of lists they have to do, but the Christ in them who is seated at the right hand of the Father and interceding for the world is in you and is causing you to intercede and pray for other people. Are you following that? That your life with Christ is not separated. You are in Christ, you belong to Christ. That has implications. And those are the implications. You love other people. You're a citizen of the kingdom in the world. And my favorite, God built and wired you exactly the way he wants. So don't be distracted. So let me unpack that because I'm not saying God did not wire you. 
in a way that he doesn't want you to grow in certain areas. God wants you to grow. Hello? God wants you to grow. So see the areas that you need to grow. But a lot of us, we, we sit back and we look in the mirror and we don't like how we look. Look. God is so pleased with you. And sometimes I think dudes don't struggle with this. And we just play it off like, yeah, he's got more swags than me. Blah, blah. But some of us, if we look at the people, if we look at the people that we hate, we simply hate them because they have something that we wish we had. But we just don't have words to say that that's what is making us hate them as dudes. It's like, dude, I just don't like that guy. Okay? <laughs> what do you mean? I just don't trust him. Like, really, dude? Because he's got a better car than you? Because he's got a better job than you? Because he's got a better sense of fashion than you? Because he uses almost instead of sunlight? <coughs> My point is, don't be distracted. I love you. So set your mind on Christ. Don't be distracted. He says, you have union with Christ, therefore don't be distracted. And you do that by setting your mind on Christ. Setting your mind on what we have explained. That this is what you have. Seek that. Concentrate to know more of Christ. And I've said this at the beginning of the series and the last series. That we treat knowing Christ as the ABC of Christianity. And that then we move to other stuff. No. Your life is understanding that Christ is the A to Z of what life is about. Because all things are held by who? Christ. Everything was made by who? Christ. And how do you just treat Christ as that? This is an introduction of faith. Then you have to... <laughs> we look at Christ like that's the milk. And the, the big doctrines are the meat. No. Every doctrine should be about Christ. If it's not that, then that's not a God doctrine. Now, I can get fired for that if I was not the lead pastor. But my point is, we make stuff that explains stuff about God more important than God himself. That's heresy. That's heretic. Those are lies. Those are lies. And, and, and call us on that. If you ever feel like we're making the things of God more important than God himself, call us out on that. Call like, dude, we love you, but explain to me, what did you mean here? What, what are you saying here? Let's sit down and talk. And, and we'll receive that rebuke with love. So rebuke us with love, baby. But the point is, set your mind on Christ because you have died. That's in the past. That's why continuing that passage, it talks about you were like that in the past. So you have died in the past. And the effects of that death is now your life is hidden with Christ. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. So seek not only to discover, but to obtain what that death has given you. So set your mind on Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Who is seated at the right hand of God. And what does that mean? He, he is in a place of position of majesty, authority, 
and power. Him sitting at the right hand father says he, he has a position of prayer for the saints. He's praying for you. His position of ministry. He, excuse me, interceding for us. But also he's our forerunner. And this is my favorite because we don't talk about it. And this passage keeps talking about heaven. He's in heaven. So think about heavenly things, not earthly things. And our forerunner literally means, can we go to, to that? He has gone before and shown us where we not only will end up, but by virtue of our union with him, where we are right now. Come on. Come on. The Christ went ahead as our forerunner. Can you go to the next slide, please? Yes, keep going. Keep going. So there right hand, Father. Keep going. Yes. Christ is our forerunner. And that means he's gone before us and shown us where we not only will end up by virtue of our union with him, but where we are right now. We, we're in Christ who has authority in heaven. We are in Christ who is interceding for us. We are in Christ who is sending the word into him of love, kindness, and generosity and deliverance. We are in Christ who is making us new. <laughs> this is the cool part about the gospel. We normally would say God created the world and we fell short of sin and Jesus redeemed the world. And he's coming back again. We call that a four chapter gospel. If we just say that redemption, we call that a three chapter gospel. But I believe more in like a five chapter gospel, which is, there's the revelation. You, God made everything and it was good. We fall short of that and we messed up. God sent his son who died for us. And this is a chapter I add. And he's renewing all things. God is in the business of renewing all things, including you. You are being renewed by God today. And this Jesus, who is renewing you, who has redeemed you, is coming back again. He's going to show up. And that should be a joyful thing. So I want you to pick one of these things that we should think about. When we think about growing spiritually, I want you to be thinking about we grow when we listen and respond to God's invitation. Are you listening and responding to God's invitation? Is God inviting you to things? Is God inviting you to start, to quit, to rethink? What is God inviting you right now as I'm speaking? We grow when we're not distracted. What is distracting your life right now? We grow when we set our minds on Christ. What is fascinating our brains, our minds right now? Is it Christ or some other things? Are we focused on Christ? Are we looking at Christ? Or this is all the looking at Christ we do? Are we personally and individually searching and looking at Christ? We grow when we leave out our union with Christ. Because I want you to attack that this week. I want you to give that your best shot this month. I'm not saying pick all of those because it's like, oh, let me just pick all of them. No, no, no. Pick one. Amen? Let's do, don't get distracted. Hello? Pick one. Don't pick two. Two, you're going to get distracted. Pick one. Pick one. 
I want to listen and respond to God's invitation. Like this week, I want to listen and respond to God's invitation. So when you get up tomorrow, what do you want me to do? God, what, what do you want me to, to be sensitive to? What do you want me to respond to? Because some of us will be surprised that it's even in our house where God wants us to respond. Because there are invitations in our house that we've been ignoring and we've not been seeing. Is it maybe to love my wife, love my spouse, love my, my friends more? What is it? What, what are you inviting me to? Is it now because I cross the same road, now I should start talking to those people that I see and say hi and develop a relationship and then ask them questions? God, God what are you inviting me to? Go, can you go back to the last slide? We grow when we listen and respond to God's invitation. And, and when we are not distracted. <coughs> I was off social media for a couple of days. Or for some time. Let's just put it that way. Um, I only go back because I needed to know the updates of all the things that are happening. But the reason why I went out was not some super religious spiritual deep thing is because when I looked at my day and felt like I was busy and at the end of the day I was like okay what did I actually do I realized that most of the day I was distracted I was not busy I thought I was busy but actually I was what distracted distracted so I chose to not be distracted so I can respond to God's invitations more. Where are you being distracted? Oh, for some of you, you have relationships that are distracting you from Christ right now. Come on. They're completely messing up your desire to grow in your union with Christ that you are settling for less. You need to sort that out. Christ won't do that for you. That's your part to respond to what Christ has already offered you. I've given you life. I have this for you. What are you going to do with it? Figure out the distractions. What's filling your mind? Who is speaking to your mind? What are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What kind of conversations are you having? Because the goal is to say to your mind on Christ. And then leave our union with Christ. Where are you feeling inadequate this morning and why? What is distracting you? Because in Christ, you've been made new. We have new life. So I'm going to pray. Amen? But I want to pray for us. Now just read this one to four again. Then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life 
your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life now, is Christ who is your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. God, help us to see the beauty of who you are. Help our hearts to survey your beauty, your wondrous cross, and your kindness. Remove the distractions in our hearts. Remove the fears and remove any other thing that is not like you. For the sake of your name. Amen. Now this is what we're going to do. I want you to sit wherever you are. And to prayerfully sing this song with us. Don't, don't wait for this guy. Worship God where you are. And may you make those words a truth in your heart. That your heart should be encouraged. Just marvel at Christ. Then I'll close us in prayer. <clears throat>